please check the episode description for content warnings before listening to this episode. Hi, and welcome to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are queer to answer your questions. I'm Cheyenne. And I'm Gina. And class is now in session. Today we're doing another one of our unanswered questions episodes. Sometimes we get random questions that don't necessarily fit with the episode or um, are just like completely random. So we kind of compile them to answer for you later on. Um, pretty answer. Pretty mm-hmm. excited to answer these for you. Um, I found one that I would love to hear your thoughts on, Gina. Yeah, these are going to be random, crazy, all over the place. So let's jump in. Let's go. Okay. So this one said, um, they said they loved our podcast and binge listen in one week. Thank you so much. Uh, their question was, how do you tell the difference between aesthetic attraction and romantic attraction or platonic attraction? I understand why you asked me this question because I even feel like recently (laughs) I've been telling our guests like you are just like very aesthetically amazing and that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm answering this as a Libra, obviously. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I like just want to look at them, that doesn't necessarily mean there's romantic attraction. So if I'm just like going back to like, they're pretty, they look good, they're attractive, they're Mm -hmm. I don't know, coordinated, they're put together. I'm probably really just aesthetically attracted, which as a Libra, I just like when things are looking good. I don't know, like (laughs) not even in the mainstream way, but just Mm -hmm. if someone's put thought into things, I notice if I'm just looking at you, I don't even need you to interact with me to like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? To think, oh my gosh, you're so cool. Mm -hmm. But that falls under aesthetic. Whereas like romantic attraction, I feel like, I'm like, interact with me, talk with me, flirt with me, have tension with me. Mm-hmm. I want to like feel that tension of like, are we going to kiss? We might kiss. <laughs> and I don't know, platonic attraction I've called as like a friend crush before when it's not like anything romantic, but you're just like, no, you're cool. And I want you to be my friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that does somewhat overlap when you're queer because you could have all of these things or a combination so it's like that it's a venn diagram of the three and people are going to fall mm-hmm. in different places yes i agree instead of like fuck mary kill it's like friend look at fuck friend admire <laughs> <Mary>. fuck <laughs> friend admire you haul <laughs> oh that's funny <laughs> that's really yeah. funny i totally agree with your answer to that because i feel like aesthetic attraction like there's beauty in so many different things and like if you know you know like if you can find beauty in the small things you just can do it and um that's different for everyone and then I think like platonic attraction like you said is like oh that person's cool I would be their friend for me I'm like I don't know how to do that because I don't know how to like make new friends necessarily (laughs) except just like annoying them into loving me I guess but then that doesn't always work and then you're just like annoying sometimes um and then like romantic attraction like for me it's only if like someone else is like queer and then obviously like a bunch of different factors play into that like I need like that aesthetic attraction and also the platonic attraction because I do want like a friendship with my partner um yeah but yeah I feel like there's a lot of overlap definitely a Venn diagram of uh attraction there yeah 
Yeah. Speaking of attraction, I think this question is interesting. Is it a compliment if someone says you're not usually my type? It's like a backhanded. Is that what it is? Backhanded compliment? Is that how you take it? Because I feel like it depends. I feel like it's like, why are you, why do you have to say that? And if it's like, yeah, I feel like if you're going to say that, you need to follow it up with like, wow, you're not usually my type, but like, wow, like I'm really into you. Like then you like gush over the person. You don't just say like, you're not really like usually my type. Like that just comes off as like shady if there's not anything to follow it up. I yeah. think it is implied shade a little because I think of it when like, I don't know, there's something that they're trying to be like, well, I don't really like this. You're not mm-hmm. normally my type, but but for you. So I feel like yeah. I'd want to know more information, but it could be like, oh, I've, you know, dated cis hat men my whole life. And now I'm, you know, trying to open up my mind a little more to like mm-hmm. non-compet life and I'm dating someone new. So you're not normally my type. And in that case, it could be like a good thing. It's like, well, great Mm -hmm. that you're branching out from what you, you know, what the social constraints that you thought were on you. But overall, I would be like, "Mm, why? Mm -hmm. In what way? Yeah. And it also is like, it feels like it's like a shiny new thing that they're going to like get sick of because it's not what they truly like. And I feel like in the past when I've been like, attracted to someone who isn't like usually my type there's not as much like longevity with that and I don't so I don't know if that's like me projecting my own experiences feeling that way onto every situation but I think I don't know I take it as like a backhanded compliment if if there's not like a follow-up yeah I don't I don't even know if it's a compliment at all I wouldn't think (laughs) it's like a great thing yeah unless you like to feel like different and like special and unique and that like is something that you value which I feel like for some people it is but yeah I don't know I feel like that needs to be interrogated in its own right because it's giving pick me (laughs) yeah 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 agreed um this is kind of related this person said every time I see a pretty girl I end up averting my gaze what can I do to combat my more shy tendencies around romance and people in general um I feel like this is a big thing where I see on TikTok where it's like oh girls you know lesbians flirting with each other is just like looking at each other Mm -hmm. I don't really feel that way I mean also isn't there the fun aspect of like being able to see another queer person and like make those longing yearning eyes towards each other. I don't know. I don't like hate that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't like, I don't avert my gaze. I like to look at people who look good and, but it's hard for me to um, give shy people advice when I'm just so not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I like grew up very shy and then obviously I'm not anymore. Um, but I come from the shy experience for sure. Uh, I have definitely been in the averting the gaze camp, (laughs) Mm -hmm. averting the gaze, averting my gaze for the gaze (laughs) camp. Um, and I think honestly, like exposure therapy is kind of your best bet here. Like if you see someone you find attractive, try and make eye contact with them try and smile at them try and look at them longer without averting your gaze like push yourself to leave that comfort zone and I think that's the only yeah. way that you can combat those shy tendencies if you want like, to and go you... give them a compliment without yeah. any ex- like and then and then leave the interaction mm-hmm. like don't with no expectations afterwards and then you might yeah. get yeah more comfortable 
yeah, I think it just kind of takes practice leaving your comfort zone and seeing that it's like safe and okay to be vulnerable and okay to do those things. And, you know, you're, I just saw this Twitter thread recently about um, how someone grew up very shy and that they used to see it as like a burden, but now they're thankful that they had grown up shy because it was a way that they were subconsciously like protecting themselves from the world because they know they knew that if they had like been vulnerable and kind of like revealed intimate parts about themselves or just their true nature to the world too young and like faced any rejection Mm -hmm. that would have like backfired and they would have gone like deeper into themselves so their shyness was almost like a blessing until it got to a point that they could open up and be themselves and not give a fuck what people thought so it was like a protective measure yeah and I was like that's a really good way of thinking about it and I think you know, it takes practice and effort. Um, and it's not always worth it, but a lot of the time I think it is to try and leave your comfort zone and come out of your shell a little bit. Yeah. I think part of why I'm not a very shy person and, you know, I'm sure there's, there's tons of things that attribute to that, but I really think part of it is because I was like a dancer growing up and you have not only like a sense of community, but you're like on a stage all the time performing mm-hmm. and you're young. So it's not that big of a deal, but it has long lasting effects. And I don't know. I really think a lot of um, that was like foundation or fundamentally really good for me in the long mm-hmm. run. So yeah. if anything, like put your kids in dance or theater or something where they're getting up on a stage Mm-hmm. And if they hate it, of course, don't force it. But like, I think it's good to get that young. And it's, it's also never too late. Like I had a friend who's taking dance classes as an adult. And even if you don't even like go to a recital, I think putting yourself out there in ways that aren't romantic can lead to more confidence when it is romantic, if that makes sense. I agree. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, it's funny that you say that because I was also, I didn't do dance, but I was like in theater and stuff as a kid, but I was still like very shy. Like people would always make jokes and be like, that's why your name is Cheyenne. Ha ha ha. Like Aww. I was still very shy, but I did theater. But thinking about it, I don't think I was like innately shy. Like I was very outgoing. And then I had like a period where I was shy. And I think that's because the people I was around were like bullying me and not making it feel safe for me to be mm-hmm. myself. And then I went to kind of like a nerdy high school where I did feel safe to be myself in the community I was in. So it was like easier to like shed my shy persona and just like be myself. Um, and yeah. I think that's where like taking dance or something as an adult and finding community that fits you can really help yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, poor shy Cheyenne. That's sad. People <laughs> in high know. school called me Gina because I was a slut. No, I'm just kidding. And um, they did call like, me that though. <laughs> you're you're predicting my future. Yeah, they did call <laughs> me that, and they did think I was a slut in high school, even though I was a virgin for most of high school. Anyway, high school. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna pick a random question next, just for funsies. Uh-huh. This one, okay, I this person said, I have very uneven breasts, so I'm nervous about finding a partner that will find me attractive. Any advice? Okay, can I just say, like, art? Doesn't everyone have uneven breasts? Like, Yeah, I guess little, I'm, like, least. imagining that this person's is, like, very noticeable, but I cannot tell you 
I've never noticed someone's uneven breasts. Like even if they've like well, even if I did, I me, wouldn't care. Yeah, yeah, it's like not something other people notice. And I think if it is like that big of a difference, I think that's something like cool and unique about you. And if they care about that, that sucks. Like okay, maybe you have one small boob and one big boob. It's like the best of both worlds. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I don't think that there's as much um, body critiquing in the queer community. And that's not mm-hmm. that's like a, bo- a bold statement to say, um, because it's not like we're devoid of it by mm-hmm. any means. And I think that there is a lot of problems with body image in the gay man, you know, the 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 gay man side of things more than the sapphic side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're in like a sapphic relationship, I do think that there's less pressure for your body to be perfect and more just appreciation mm-hmm. for your body. And that's really helped me actually in my, like the way that I see myself, um, mm-hmm. not seeing myself through the lens of a cis het man is, uh, a, a very freeing experience. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's, pretty easy to find someone in in queer sapphic life who doesn't even notice or care about your boobs let alone might find that endearing about you yeah you know I agree yeah I think you know fat phobia and body beauty standards and all that shit is obviously prevalent in every community but I think oh who doesn't have at least slightly uneven boobs or who doesn't have like some quote-unquote unattractive feature of their body like we all have things and I think when you like think about those things all the time it makes it less of a big deal when it comes to other people's because you're like oh that's actually not a huge deal like my girlfriend she was like growing out her armpit hair for a while she just didn't feel like shaving it and I was like that's really hot like I'm gonna grow out mine again because it looks really good on her so I have like full armpit hair right now because I was like it looks great on my girlfriend but like mainstream society tells me that's gross and I shouldn't do that but you know what I think it's cool yeah. and maybe that person I don't know maybe they'll like get a breast reduction in one boob because they're like I really like how that looks or they'll <laughs> get an implant in the other like you might start something new you might start a new beauty trend with your uniqueness <laughs> yeah I definitely don't care about shaving anything Mm -hmm. I don't care about like appearing perfect Mm -hmm. it's nice to let those things go yeah I love it okay maybe we can try Ooh, I feel like there are two back-to-back that are kind of like opposites so one says I'm interested in a girl that I had previously talked to over the summer. I just reached out and we are sort of talking again. I'm worried about getting too nervous about dating again, which is what messed things up last time. How do I get over nerves? Love y'all. I guess my like initial question is what nerves is there to get over when this person has talked to you multiple times and it sounds like the person who's asking the question is the reason things didn't move forward? Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like what's there to be nervous about that things could work out great. Cause if you're, if you're so nervous that you're like, I, I don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm just going to avoid it. You've already created the worst case scenario in that it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And if it's yeah. something you want, like just, you know, trudge forward friend, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, I think like, it's kind of 
some sort of like avoidant attachment, self-sabotage behavior going on here and they don't know how it's going to work out. So it's easier to just like control it from the beginning and make sure it doesn't work out because then they're not like, what if? What if I get my heart mm. broken? What if this doesn't work? Um, so I think maybe it would be beneficial for you to be upfront and talk to this person about feeling this way, feeling nervous, sharing those feelings when they come up and like maybe ways that can help soothe your feelings or figuring out ways that you can do that on your own. Um, I know we always say this, but I would definitely talk to to my therapist about that so if you have access mm-hmm. to good therapy I would recommend that for you journaling um it sounds like a lot of like trying to control the outcome of the situation <laughs> before it happens so I yeah. think if there are things you can do to like fight yourself on that almost that's gonna be the only way to prevent that from happening you have it's you know it's it's up to you right. yeah yeah. So, and then there was another question that said, we've been talking for months and still haven't met because they're busy. Why? What do I do? I'm lost. And I feel like this is like almost the opposite end of this person where it's like someone is too busy or too scared or hasn't met up with the other person for whatever reason. And then the person on the other end is like, what the fuck? <laughs> what do I do? Um, What's wrong? I think it's hard because I'm definitely on the end of things that's like if they want to they will Mm -hmm. if they really wanted to meet up with you that would have happened already I think sometimes the longer you go without meeting the less likely you are to ever meet Mm -hmm. and then I saw a TikTok that was kind of like when you say you know if they want to they would you know like give credit to people who are like going through things and can't always Mm -hmm. show up at that exact moment and that exact time So there's like kind of a balance, but I think again, like kind of being straightforward and saying like, Hey, we've been talking for months and we haven't met up yet. Are we ever going to? Mm -hmm. And if they really keep giving you the runaround, then the answer is no. And they just don't want to say that because they know that then the dynamic will change. But like, unless you just want a texting buddy, why wouldn't you meet up? You know? So like, Mm -hmm. don't, don't sell yourself short. And waiting around for them because I do think after months and months, there was a lot of chances to show up. And that says a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause I think there's a lot of like nuance. Like there's not like you're either completely busy and can't meet or you're just free all the time and have all the time in the world for this person. Like everyone has their own shit going on. Um, And it's not like black and white for any of us. But I think if it's been months and they're just that busy, they probably just don't have time for a relationship or to incorporate you into their life. And that's kind of a sign in itself. Um, They would be prioritizing you at least, you know, like they could hang out for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. No one's busy 100% of the time. And if they are, why are they talking to you? They have probably bigger fish to fry over there. Um, so yeah. I think, I, I don't know, I would cut my losses, but that's just me. Right. Yeah, yeah I, would, I wouldn't I would keep giving them energy when mm-hmm. you could be putting it to somewhere where you're getting it back. Agreed. Well, that person has never met. They've mm-hmm. never met. But this next question, they said, My girlfriend and I have been dating for two years. 
We've never had sex. We're not long distance, just two anxious virgin lesbians help. Okay. I really wish I knew how old they were because if y'all are young, I'm like, why you don't rush into anything, especially Mm -hmm. if you're anxious, it should all just be fun. But if they're like, I don't know, later in life, virgin lesbians mm-hmm. either way i'm kind of like dive in as far as is comfortable like you don't gotta become an olympic swimmer tomorrow but at least put your foot in the pool a little see how the water feels you know put your finger in the pool a little <laughs> yes that yeah um, i guess yeah like, what's the worst that's gonna happen you say oh that's not right try here or like mm-hmm. like what literally what's the worst that's gonna happen yeah and i'm wondering like the two anxious virgin lesbians I'm wondering if there's some like asexuality spectrum coming into play like not that like everyone has to have sex in two years but like maybe there's someone who doesn't want sex as much or someone who doesn't want sex at all and that's kind of playing the role in the dynamic and that's something you need to talk about and um, maybe something you need to explore alone or together um, to see what is comfortable and what isn't um I don't know yeah that's it's tricky when we don't know the age because like if you're 16 okay it's fine just like wait yeah just chill relax um, you know. <laughs> yeah it'll it'll be fine like you don't have to rush into it but like if you're older and it's something that you want and your partner wants it but you just like don't know how to do it um I don't know like me and my girlfriend recently like put on like a fireplace <laughs> on the tv and we're just like making Aww. out and do it. like you could just like see where things go and obviously talk about boundaries and stuff before then and what you wouldn't want to happen or what you might but like you can explore like you could get a candle and drip it on each other like there are ways to like do kind of like sensual things without getting into the sexual aspect but the sensual things right. might like lead into the sexual yeah and you can do as much as you want. And then when you're like, okay, I think we've gone far enough. You can be like, okay, I'm done. That was mm-hmm. fun. I don't know. I feel like you don't have to um, be like all in or all out. Like mm-hmm. try a little bit at a time and go as far as it feels good. I feel like there's also, like you said, there's a lot of other things Like you can even just start with like tickling arms and like back rubs and there's a lot of ways to be physically intimate before even having sex so Mm -hmm. you can build up to it make sure you're really comfortable like touching each other in general before you touch each other like that Mm -hmm. I guess like regardless of the age don't do anything that doesn't feel right but if you want to do it Mm -hmm. communication and like you know have fun Right. And then if your relationship feels happy and fulfilling without sex, you don't have to have sex. Sex is not a prerequisite to a relationship. There are lots of different forms of relationships. And if, you know, you've lasted two years and you're fine without it, you don't ever have to do it if you don't want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, somebody actually wrote in asking about asexuality. They wrote in, hi, love y'all's podcast, wondering Wondering if you've plans to do an episode on asexuality. Would love to see representation for folks on this spectrum. I've recently started dating someone who is ace, and it's taught me so much about my own sexuality as a queer allosexual person. Mm -hmm. What is allosexual? Do you know? It's like the opposite of asexual, I believe. So it's like someone who does experience sexual attraction. 
Oh, like, cool. How yeah. I, I love learning new things, even though yeah. we're supposed to be the educators here. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> now I'm like, what if I'm wrong? I'm like 98% sure I'm right. So we're just well, going to do a it. little quick Google okay. just to, well, let's, let's fact check ourselves. Okay. okay. <laughs> meaning. When I Google it, it, it says allosexual refers to people who do not identify as asexual. Okay. So the opposite of asexual. So that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I think part of why we haven't done that yet because you know trust and believe it's on our list and if you're listening to this this is our un- obviously our unanswered questions like we have a whole note of all the questions we've been getting all of our topic ideas like everything we want for the future and we've definitely thrown around asexuality it's just hard because i don't think either of us are mm-hmm. um asexual so as much as we'd love to answer those questions and talk about it, it's just not a perspective we can talk through firsthand, which mm-hmm. means we will start looking for an asexual guest as soon as possible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you have any suggestions. So if you're asexual, write yes. into us. We would love to talk to you. Yes, please. Um, okay. So speaking of sex going in the opposite direction someone said Mm -hmm. i have come out late in life 33 and i'm learning a lot about myself in the bi slash pan space but one topic i haven't heard talk about is safe sex practices between women well we did a whole uh two-part series about sex ed and that's Mm -hmm. another thing i would like to cover more extensively with a sex educator hopefully sometime this year um and just get more in depth about sex education but we do have two episodes i don't know the exact numbers but if you if you would like to get some information from us there we have some good answers to people's questions Yeah, and I think obviously things are a little different when it's two people with not, well, I guess queer sex can be a little different in terms of like what's safe, what's not, but obviously the best practice for everybody is to get tested, you know, like Mm -hmm. use measures to not get anything transmitted or pregnancy that's unwanted, et cetera, et cetera, but we go through so much, including like techniques, uh, resources, um, different ways of having, you know, safe sex. And so those are really, really worth looking into because we did our research as, as much as we could there. And yeah, we'll totally look for some experts on that subject in the future because I I, I could talk about sex forever, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun topic to talk about for sure. Yeah. So there was another topic that we've considered having someone on about, but we've been a little hesitant. Someone asked us, what do we think about age gaps? And we've discussed the pros and cons of having someone who's been in an age gap relationship or is currently in an age gap relationship on the podcast. Um, But do you have any general thoughts you'd like to share about them, Gina? Yeah, I think it's hard because I think it's, somewhat situational Mm -hmm. I will say overall I'm not a big fan and that's not to say that I don't think that those relationships can be successful and also like I'm also not here to tell anybody else what is Mm -hmm. or isn't going to work in their relationships 
Um, but the older I get, the less interesting young people are to me. And I don't always <laughs> understand. I don't, I don't even mean that like as an insult. I'm just yeah, like, what would just... I, as a 31 year old, what do I want to, what do I want romantically with a 22 year old? Like what in the world would I want with it? I don't know. I, um, I think it can be really situational. I'm definitely not pro- I mean, my girlfriend's only like two years younger than me and I'm still like, oh my God, am I a cougar? Like, this is crazy. <laughs> You're like, you've never um, heard of never shout never. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this is like what's, <laughs> this is what's like the, okay. So like historically speaking, like my grandparents, I have one grandparents who graduated high school the same year. So they are like one month apart in age. Mm -hmm. And then my other grandparents are eight years apart. And mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, eight years. That's that's a lot but like mm -hmm. i i guess i also only ever knew them as like 60 and 68 or right. 68 and 74 so it's like or wow i can't do math i'm gay and <laughs> so <laughs> so i don't know it's kind of like uh, it can it can be okay mm -hmm. i just think i get very weary of like well how did you meet what are the power dynamics what are what's the like uh, the structure and dynamic of your relationship after you know the age of the person I just I guess I just have questions it's like a yellow flag for me mm -hmm. yeah my biggest I'm have to cut some of that out I'm like, sorry no it's okay sorry, I think start that again my my biggest concern is definitely the power dynamic aspect and I think the older you get the less age gap matters but I think like it's hard to say because there's no like this number is okay and and this number is not okay. There's no right. like cutoff because everyone's different. Our experiences are different and our relationships are different. And there's no like, okay, 40 and 50 is okay, but 20 and 30 is not okay. Um, but like, I'm more right. inclined to be like 40 and 50 is an okay age gap versus 20 and 30, just because so there's so much growth and difference in your life. And not that like, after a certain point, you stop growing and stop changing and stop experiencing new things. But I think the things we experience almost like they like slow down. Like I feel like your first like 30 years of life are kind of like a fast like explosion of different experiences. And then right. it's like it's like that hump that people say after 40 or whatever. Um, and I feel like it kind of not that everyone goes down the same path, but I think it kind of slows down a little bit in some ways and mm -hmm. people are kind of more in the same playing field. But also, I don't know, that's also hard because I feel bad when like people have kids with their younger partner and they're like 60 and it's like, okay, that's sad that, you know, that kid might not have you someday. And not to say right. like they shouldn't be born or that you shouldn't be a parent, but it's like, it makes it definitely like a gray area based off of the gap and like what comes from the relationship. So I, that's just to say there's a lot of nuance there. And I yeah. think the power dynamics are the biggest issue that we need to focus on when we talk about age gaps. I agree. And I think that that can even play more of a role. So like, for example, if two people have the same job and they meet at work and they are exactly on the same level professionally, they just happen to, you know, be 10 years apart. Mm 
-hmm. I feel like that's not an off power dynamic, even though I think 10 years is kind of a big age gap in my opinion of somebody who's not like a fan. But -hmm. then I also think you could only be two or three years apart. But if one of you is uh, the teacher and the other person's a student or one of you is the boss and the other person is an employee, I think Mm -hmm. that's real icky. And maybe the age gap isn't the thing that's like at play. It's just the power. Because like I said, if they were 10 years apart, but completely on the same level and not influencing each other in terms of their grades, their employment, like, I -hmm. just don't think that there is a a formula for all things. But like the power dynamic also goes beyond age, because I just think I don't know. I never bought into those kinds of fantasies. I think they're no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely goes beyond age for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want to pivot to one of our last few questions? This, this is kind of a longer write-in, but somebody said, hey, yo, I've been out as a lesbo for a bit over a year, and this is my first time dating a non-man. I'm neurospicy and my ex was pretty abusive and I broke up with him almost right after I realized he was toxic and I don't want to be that kind of partner in my current relationship. This might sound really stupid overall, but I have a date and I want to know how to treat her right. I think it's amazing to be that self-aware that, I mean, even if it's like the best or worst, like there's going to be good and bad that you take from every relationship, no matter what level it was um just because people are complex human beings so even like my exes that i have amazing things to say about i still like know their bad habits and like things Mm -hmm. like that so i think it's really you know regardless of what your previous relationships were like i think it's really self-reflective and self-aware to say i want to treat my partners moving forward with the utmost respect and and I don't want to you know make someone feel the way someone else made me feel like I think that's great I also feel like it's um not as hard as people make it out to be like I think it's really just a matter of like being mindful and asking a lot of questions and making a space where somebody can tell you because you're not going to be perfect but like I definitely have created a space with my girlfriend where if I do something that she's not fond of, she feels comfortable coming and telling me like, hey, I don't really love the way that you said this because it made me feel like this and vice mm-hmm. versa. So it's everybody is a learning, you know, curve or whatever. Like people are just complex as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing and wanting to do good by the person that you know you're partnered with I think is (laughs) what we all should you know be which would be the bare minimum really but Mm -hmm. um it's just a matter of keeping that communication open for when mistakes do happen that you can then learn and grow and acknowledge that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and I think it might be helpful for moving forward for this person to kind of treat this other person the way they wish their partner had treated them like just like that old adage treat someone the way you would like to be treated and maybe treat them the opposite of the way that this person treated you like how would they respond okay what's the opposite action and reaction and what can I do to make this person feel like safe and seen and loved and you know able to be vulnerable and all these things without implementing those toxic traits that 
my ex right did you know um yeah yeah and I think that expression like you know treat others how you want to be treated is a great place to start especially in the sense of like I really just want to be nice to my partner and stuff but I also mm-hmm. think it's also important to like treat people how they want to be treated mm-hmm. so for example a lot of my ex-boyfriends were a little shady about like posting me on social media, which always bothered me. My mm-hmm. friends know it bothered me. And at some point, like I made, tried to make a point to say like, I, it means something to me that like, at least I'm a parent on your social media. Mm-hmm. Like if we've been dating for a year, I don't understand why I'm not there like ever at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now my girlfriend now has a million pictures of me in her phone. And that's like, so not an issue. However, she is definitely not the kind of person that's like, yay, post me all the time. I love being the center of attention. Like, yeah. She does <laughs> like us to reminisce through pictures. And it's not to say I don't post her or whatever, mm-hmm. but like that's definitely not uh, as meaningful to her as it is to me. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm absolutely out here always on my story being like, I love my girlfriend. She's so beautiful yeah. and making like TikToks about us and whatever the fuck else. Uh, that's like more just because I want to and less because I like uh, you know want her like I and less because I know that's a way that she feels like the most loved for me like there are other things I would do for her to feel more loved but I also do think I do that because I'm like that's how I want to be treated and it's Mm -hmm. there's no issues with her on that end but I don't know that that's how she that's not like priority how to she her. receives it necessarily right like, so I think a, it's a good yeah. starting point for sure to be like how would I want like I you know I'm gonna bring her flowers I'm gonna do this I'm gonna you know take her car to the car wash but like there are certain things that maybe you also should say like what what would you want what's a romantic gesture to you what mm-hmm. would be the best thing for you to come home to is it flowers is it french fries is it a bag of weed like those things are important <laughs> questions to ask yeah for sure yeah that's funny that your girlfriend is that way because my girlfriend is that way and it, it's funny because you and I are both like the ones kind we're of the chronically putting online. our faces out yeah <laughs> we're the we're the ones putting ourselves out there and so that that checks out a lot <laughs> and, but my my girlfriend's also into like data security so like nothing has her name and like even if it does it's like mm-hmm. not the right spelling yeah. and she's like not findable on the internet yeah. and whatever else but like you know her friends who do follow her which is what would be important to me anyway because it's mm-hmm. not like she's People some her public life. figure yeah, yeah. Like, I but her friends know what I look like they see pictures of what we do together you know mm-hmm. they see us and our dogs and yeah. they know that we're rocking and rolling over here and that feels that feels good to me mm-hmm. that's funny she that you give a flying say fuck. that <laughs> because like I definitely had exes who like didn't really post me and it was like annoying and then like with my partner now I'm like okay with her not posting me but like she has me on her Facebook profile photo like that's enough for me is like just like claim me a little bit (laughs) that's all I really need is like a little but like my ex-boyfriends were so shady about it and it wasn't like because oh I'm not like an online person it was because they wanted to appear single or like I don't Mm. even know like whatever the fuck fuck boy reasons there were my one ex-boyfriend my my best friend even called him out and was like, you need to post her. And he was like, oh, I will, I will. And then didn't. And I was like, do you think that my Ew. best friend said that to you for no reason? Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, That's why I'm not dating them anymore. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do- So one of the last questions we got was, how do I keep my long distance relationship going? LOL, it's my first time in one. And we actually have an entire episode dedicated to long distance relationships. Oh yeah, two entire episodes. Uh, So definitely go back and listen to those. I'm sure it will give you the advice you need. Uh, We definitely can't consolidate two episodes worth of answers here, but definitely go back and listen to those. I think they'll help you. But if those LDR questions keep coming, I'm sure we'll end up doing a 300 level oh, course. I yeah, <laughs> I think that's one that will keep coming back. Yeah, lesbians <laughs> love the long distance yearning. Uh, yeah. Another question that we kind of get on repeat is how to meet people without going to bars. And we've covered that in queer spaces. Uh, we just had a uh, an episode, I guess at this point, like a month ago. Um, with Nina Haynes, who runs the Sapphic Book Club. And those things are really great to, you know, join little online communities. Um, but obviously, I think I think we actually did two Queer Spaces episodes as well. Um, so there are places to go that aren't bars, but it is going to require some research. So listen to those and listen to their episode, our episode with Nina for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, we've answered all of our current unanswered questions. If you are listening and you're thinking, I still need this question answered and I want to hear this topic and I think I'd be a really good guest because I'm asexual or if you bring any sort of representation that Cheyenne and I cannot bring, please reach out to us. You can DM us anywhere on social media at Sapphic Survival Guide, except for X, which is just Sapphic Survival. You can email us your questions at sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. You can send us a voicemail, 724-209-8877 is where you can leave that. We do put out bonus content. So if you want more of us, go to patreon.com slash Guide. You can listen to my other podcast, Um Hello, for your Jersey Shore content. We should be wrapping up season three pretty soon. So go find out, you know, where's the beach, if he's friends with her, all of that. And you can find me anywhere online at The Lee Regina, including my website, thelebregina.com. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Maxpian on pretty much any social media platform. With that, class is now dismissed. <laughs>